0: It's
1: time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good good afternoon, everyone. And it is Tuesday evening here, and we are in the Hammered Sports Lounge, uh, getting ready to go over a a fun slate tonight. Uh, I think we've got a lot of stuff that we can cover tonight. Tom, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, so we're going to go over week three in the uh, XFL. Uh, we're going to talk about our individual XFL power rankings so far. Then we're going to start uh, baseball coverage. We're going to go through an AL East preview, a quick look at each team. Kevin and I are going to do our project, our uh, prediction for who we think is going to win that division. Then we're going to talk a little bit of NFL Combine. Um, then we're going to do the NL East preview as well. Run through each team again, uh, predict who's going to win that. And then a week four XFL preview for that. Um, but first, we're going to start with thoughts about the big boxing match, Wilder and Fury. Um, what, do you, what are your takeaways from that, Kev?
1: Yeah, so um, I was able to sit back and watch the fight. Uh, and it, was, it started out about how you would expect. But I think the, the tide really turned when Wilder took a shot behind the left ear and then they they could see blood coming from the ear at the end of that round and he never seemed to get his bearings back again all of a sudden that quick trigger uh nasty right hand that he has uh was completely gone he tried to fire it off a few times but it looked slow it didn't look the same and i think that he had sustained so much damage from that right hand from fury behind his left ear that the fight was over at that point
0: yeah i mean uh i've seen something you know he bursts his eardrum drum is what everyone's saying that that's what happened which obviously is going to throw off everything you're not going to even be able to find balance um but also like there's a video i just saw today of between round six and seven you know seven being the last round he could barely keep his head up in the corner they were asking yeah. him pick your head up pick your head up champ and he just you know was struggling to do that he would it was a good stoppage. I know some people weren't happy, but I think it was a good stoppage. He was in real trouble. If that he was just going to
1: continue to sustain damage. So yeah. it was the time for the fight to end. Uh, I was hoping Wilder would win. It was it was a guy that I was um, I was clearly in the corner of. I enjoy rooting for him. I've enjoyed watching his ascent to you know, the champion of that division, but Fury looked like the better boxer in that fight. He looked like he was more prepared. and I he deserved to win the fight
0: yeah, he definitely um, was ready to go. I I have some selfish reasons for liking Fury. I'm a big fan of his story where, you know, he became the champion, was the champion, it was, things were going well, and then he kind of fell into depression, and he talks about openly about how he put on all that weight, um, coming close to 400 pounds at one point, and, uh, you know, he really had to work to get back to fighting weight and work his way back up to this level, and so, You know, it was nice to see him rewarded with a a victory and becoming the champ again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, deep dive analysis on it. Yeah. But I think that uh, Wilder can still rebound from this in his career. I don't think this is the end for him by any stretch. Uh, He's got that monster right hand that will always be there. I think that he just took a shot that basically finished him early in that fight, and he was never able to recover from it.
0: Yeah, I mean, a burst eardrum is really an anomaly. You know, that's not something that happens very often in boxing, obviously. Um, tough injury to kind of yeah put away. You know, it's not like he got his bell rung. He literally had a, a, a sustained injury. So
1: Yeah. So uh, what's next for us, Tom?
0: XFL Week 3. Um, we had a couple really entertaining football games, a couple that were not so much on Sunday. Um, but we'll dive right in. We have the Houston Roughnecks. And the Tampa Bay Vipers, in what was the best game of the weekend right away, uh, the Roughnecks pulling out the victory 34-27 to 27 against a very game and entertaining Tampa Bay Vipers team. Yeah,
1: they played tough against uh, what many now see as the best team in the league. Um, Houston's done a really good job so far. They've taken on all comers and come out on top. They are a talented group that, that throws the ball around really well. Their style is probably the most difficult to deal with. That run-and-shoot game takes game planning and preparation and detail to be able to prepare for. And, and at three practices a week, I think defenses are really struggling getting ready for that week in and week out. Yeah. So I think the second time around is where you'll see teams with an opportunity to get at Houston. So maybe some of their division opponents that get them twice will have an opportunity to keep games closer and, and be more competitive with them they still don't show a ton of balance uh, with the run game because they, they just throw the ball. Yeah. Um, seven carries from their leading rusher. I mean, he went for 72 yards. That's pretty impressive. 10 yards a clip.
0: Yeah. I mean the throwing the ball as much as they do. And as well as they do definitely opens up lanes and they pick their spots with the run. Um, you know, which is pretty true for most run and shoot teams. You're going to pass to set up the run and then hope to break off some, some big ones. And that's exactly what they've been doing. Um, about about uh, Walker has 11 touchdowns, which is more than any other team has in the XFL. Yeah,
1: yeah. and that's going to be their game all year. Um, on the other side of the ball, well, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Cam Phillips and Again, yes. the way that he's performing. Eight catches, 194, and three touchdowns in this game.
0: He is ridiculous right if now. If he
1: doesn't make an NFL roster this year, I'll be shocked.
0: Yeah, he's definitely one of those ones who is making the most of this opportunity. And I think for the XFL to catch on long-term, they need a few guys to make the leap into the NFL so they can attract more talented players saying, hey, look, look what Cam Phillips was able to do. Look at, at, you know, Spruce was able to do. Yeah. Um, And probably P.J. Walker as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, potentially. I don't know if his measurables are where NFL teams want to see him. Statistically, he's putting up great numbers, but they're going to think that it may just be system-based. So I'm not sure that he'll get a shot at the NFL level. He may get a camp invite, uh, see if he can perform well in that environment. And, um, you know, there are some there's some other guys in the league, too, that they have the measurables, but they're not performing. So you, you get some of these guys, they're, they're the fringe players. They've got one of two things. Either they've got measurables, but they weren't able to, to execute at the NFL level, or they don't have the measurables, and they're overachievers right. uh, for their size and stature.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, some of the fun of this is seeing some of these guys that are getting a chance that they wouldn't have had in the NFL, and seeing them make the most of it. Again, it may be the end of the line. That may this may be as far as he goes, but at least he's getting a chance to show some of his skill and his ability, and you know, really be able to say, "Yeah, look, I was able to do this."
1: On Tampa's side, they the quarterback situation is is not great in tampa you've got taylor cornelius 16 of 31 for 193 one touchdown one pick quentin flowers four of six for 51 yards uh it seems like flowers he he took a really bad sack when he was in at one point in the game and i think that's what led to more opportunity for cornelius I didn't see any injury or anything like that, did you?
0: No, I, I don't remember seeing anything. And they didn't really comment on it at all. Um, you know, they talked to Cornelius, and they talked to Flowers on the sideline, and both guys were kind of, you know, whoever's in is in, and we're going to support them. Right. You know, they took the company line, so to speak. and um, So, we'll, we'll, again, this will be one we'll have to see next week, who gets the, uh, who gets the start and who gets yeah. the most of the reps. Yeah. So,
1: the next game on the docket was uh, Dallas uh, at Seattle. Um, this is one that we agreed on when we were making our selections last week. Yes. Um, you and I were both on the side of the Roughnecks, and they got off to a i ter- – I'm sorry, uh, the Renegades, and they got off to a terrible start.
0: Yeah, they got off to pretty much the, as bad of a start as you can imagine. Um, Landry Jones, after looking very sharp um, in the last game, especially in the second half, was turning the ball over like crazy. Um, but they, again, they found their footing and came out on the top 24-12, really dominated that second half shutting the dragons out
1: yeah and i i really like cameron Artis Payne running the ball for dallas he's yeah. he looks pretty sharp that's a, an auburn guy um, that had a cup of coffee in the nfl and looks like a guy who's still got some juice in his legs and, and could be, make it in a camp as well
0: yeah they had they had a little bit of better balance again which just seems to be something they're they're doing well they throw it to the running back a ton i know they well, pointed out on the telecast but it's crazy dunbar 11 targets for yeah. dunbar 11 targets, 9 catches for Dunbar out of the backfield, which you know he did that well in Dallas. It's not a surprise that they're taking advantage of it. But um, Artis Payne had 6 catches on 6 targets as well. Yeah. So we're talking 17 targets between those two. Yeah. That's a lot. And
1: and then uh, Parham, the tight end, the big tight end, that looks like he's continuously making big plays on this team. Yeah. Uh, 7 targets, uh, 5 catches for 101 and 2 touchdowns. Uh, This is a guy who should get a look at the next level too.
0: Yeah, I mean he's definitely the stretch the field type. Yeah, I mean that he had a 65 yard touchdown and it was caught the ball and then ran away from people, which is yeah insane for his size. He's what six eight? Yeah, six eight. It's six, crazy. Nine, yeah. yeah, absolutely crazy. And then you go to the dragon side and they they look they look all right. Like they they're not a bad team. Um, they don't run the ball great. They run it a lot. I mean, we're, I'm looking right now at some of their numbers here. Yeah,
1: they had like 27 carries in yeah. the game, five, five of those by Silvers. Um, I'm not overly impressed by Brandon Silvers at quarterback. He seems to be relatively efficient 21 34, um, 204, two touchdowns, one pick. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you games either, is what yeah. you feel with him.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I say they look all right. They look like they are going to win a, some games. They may be there for that second seed as we roll down the season. Um, they're going to beat some people. I think that uh, it was fun seeing them at home in Seattle. And it should be interesting going forward to see how that team, you know, if they change anything, if, if they stick with what they got. Because what they got not terrible. As we get to some of these teams, some of them are, <laughs> are, look terrible and pathetic. Yeah. So uh, one in mind, which we'll get to next. But uh, I just think that you know, they, they look fine. They don't look great. They're going to struggle against some of the better teams. But they were in this game. They had a chance a couple times to, to get close and again in the fourth and just didn't do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, on to Sunday, uh, Guardians, New York Guardians at the St. Louis Battlehawks, my St. Louis Battlehawks. Um, St. Louis comes out on top 29-9. to 9, And St. Louis continued to do what you'd expect out of St. Louis, which is play physical football. Um, my favorite part of that team is how physical they are. They don't have any overwhelming stats in the game. Uh, Other than the fact they continue to effectively run the football with Matt Jones Um, and Christine Michael had uh, one opportunity where he broke one off for a touchdown early in the game to cap off a, I think it was a four play 72 yard drive to start the game. All four were running plays. Yeah. And uh, finished off by an impressive run with Michael running over the last two defenders.
0: Yeah, and this is another one where uh, New York—I mean—they're in this game in the beginning. It is—it is six to three, um, and then they kick it off. They just caught it to six to three. The Battle Hawks take it back for the first ever kick return for a touchdown in the league. Yep. And then they fall apart, and the the rest of that quarter they give up a field goal, a touchdown. And then the two points, and then in the third quarter they do nothing. They do yeah. absolutely nothing with the field with the football. St. Louis kind of lets them hang around. They only kick a field goal themselves. Um,
1: a fifty-eight yarder.
0: A fifty-eight yard bomb. Yeah, <laughs> which is obviously pretty pretty effective. Yeah. And then, you know, the Guardians get down and they they get a touchdown to get to twenty-six to to nine, and then. The battle Hawks do what they do. A 13 play 54 yard drive draining the last five minutes off the clock to leave only 50 seconds left as they kick a field goal to just end it. And
1: it felt like St. Louis played it very close to the vest once they got yeah. the lead.
0: And you don't know if that's like game planning, like, Hey, they can't beat us. Let's not beat ourselves. or right. if They were just like, we're good. There's no way yeah. they're scoring more than us.
1: Yeah. And you know, Tom who had, uh, only 119 yards passing, but he was 12 for 18 again. Um, efficient numbers, didn't make any mistakes. Right. Um, he ran the ball three times. So, I mean, really, it, it looked like a game where once they got that kickoff return for a touch, they had the, the long drive, march down the field and score. Then they get the kickoff return for a touchdown. Then they were like, we're good. The Guardians can't beat us. Our defense yeah. is too good to allow anything against them.
0: And the Guardians tried three different quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. they were doing everything they could. Um, McGloin starts 8 of 11, which isn't bad. 84 yards. He throws a pick. And then he, he hurt his ribs, I think. Yep. And then Williams comes in 7 of 15, only 47% completion percentage. They don't move the ball well. He's only 6.3 yards in attempt. That is not where you want to be in any league. Yeah. And then Perez comes in 4 of 5, 80% completion percentage, Thirty-nine, only 39 yards, but he gets them on the board with a touchdown.
1: Yeah. So You know, the question is, were the the Battlehawks just playing, you know, prevent kind of, let them move down the field at that point? Um, The Guardians are bad. They're they're the worst football team in this league. And that seems pretty evident to me. And St. Louis is one of the better teams in this league at this point.
0: Yeah, I think St. Louis, uh, their defense, again, looks really stout. Um, When you have a defense that's, you know, all their games, their defense hasn't been exposed in any of them where they look like sketchy. So the fact that they're able to get enough offense, you know, leads you to believe that they're going to be in a lot of games. You know, I don't know if this is a championship makeup. I think they'll they'll be forced to in some games to make more plays on the offensive side, and it will be interesting to see if they are able to do that. I feel like they have some talented players.
1: Yeah, that- I'm concerned about their receiving core more yeah. than anything else. That's, that's the part that I think could hinder them. Um, are they going to be able to find – the receivers down the field are they going to be able to stretch the field um when teams pack it in and say you can't run it and we're gonna we're gonna to spy tom now beat me over the top what receiver is going to make the play for him and i think that's going to be the formula for them to yeah. find somebody that can do that if they're going to compete to win this championship
0: yeah they're really i mean they're ho-hum i mean you look at the, the numbers for the game the guardians outgained them in yardage um they the rushing at the yards per attempt they only had four point two which is you know north of four is usually good but it's not great. Um, the Guardians actually ran for more yards per attempt just didn't have as many attempts. And then their passing numbers are are just generic like they just do enough. They don't turn the ball over. Their their defense they have they make plays. <laughs> it's just a very you know they do what they do. They're not they're not jumping off the screen at you going wow these guys are great. Um, but they're, they're being effective. And I think that a lot of times is more important than what it looks like.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, one of my favorite stats, we'll go to this one, red zone, battle Hawks, two for three in the red zone guardians, one for three, um, goal to go battle Hawks cashed in, got a touchdown. The guardians have two attempts only scored on one of them. Uh, you know, those kind of things will kill you. The guardians were two for 10 on third down.
1: Yeah. No good. No good. Um, Finally, uh, the last game of the week was DC in, heading to LA and taking on the Wildcats and getting throttled.
0: Absolutely throttled. This is the biggest departure for what we've seen from any of the teams so far. Everyone's been kind of similar to where they are, but the defenders looked uh, nothing like the teams they've looked. The team they looked like the first two weeks. Um, they were awful. They turned the ball over a bunch. Uh, They couldn't, uh, you know, I had messaged you during the game that Cardale Jones looked like he was afraid to throw the ball, didn't know what to do with the ball. He dropped back and he looked damn near scared. Oh Uh, yeah.
1: You made a great comparison last night when we were talking about uh, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just waiting as this game's going on. And by the way, they turned it over five times, total four interceptions. I was waiting for the Scooby-Doo gang to come and pull Cardale Jones mask off to see Nathan Peterman leading the defenders. Yeah. Um, but, alas, you know, four picks can happen to anyone. Uh, they were only – the defenders, 90 yards passing for the entire game. Yeah. 200 yards rushing. They were 5.6 yards an attempt. They yeah. ran the ball very effectively, but the turnovers killed them.
1: The turnovers absolutely murdered them. And this is a situation where when you talk about betting angles, I talked about it last week. D.C. was in an amazing spot – or rather – in an amazingly difficult spot, having played two of the weaker teams in the league at home, and having to go on the road for the first time to an LA team that had played two of the stronger teams in the league, the level of competition had been considerably different for the two squads, and uh, I think that that played right into LA's hands, which is why I took them plus the nine. Um, it, it ended up being nine at game time. I think it was like I can't remember seven, six eight, and a a half, six and, seven and a half, seven, yeah. yeah. Um, but. You know, to me, L.A. made all the sense in the world based on situation alone. With that being said, D.C. getting run out of the building this week may create value on the defenders this week. So uh, keep that in mind as we get ready for the preview later on today.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, the, the L.A. Wildcats, I don't think they're one of the better teams. I think they just crushed the defenders. Their defense looked great. They were doing some creative things in the secondary, but, I mean, they had their struggles of their own. 56 yards rushing, um, 2.2 yards in attempt at rushing. That is yeah. not normally going to get done, but Johnson played great. Yeah, we got um, credit
1: where credit's due to Johnson yeah, in this he game. He looked
0: great, and he looked he looked like Cardale did the first two weeks where he was making good decisions. He's getting under the ball. Let's look at his stats. 18 of 25, 278 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. That's a rating of 148. That's damn near perfect. Yeah. Uh, not much more you could ask from him i mean he ran the ball a couple times nothing's significant but just he looked in control he and he spread the ball out hit a bunch of wide receivers catch the ball um it'll be interesting to see again we're only three weeks in but it's it's you know 30 percent of their season so yeah. we'll see next week again what team shows up for la are they able to move the ball effectively and confuse at the next quarterback
1: Yeah, was uh, LA's performance in aberration, was DC's performance in aberration. And trying to find that happy medium here with a three-game sample size can be hard moving forward. So um, I look forward to our preview later in the show tonight.
0: Yeah, there's some uh, intriguing matchups we'll see. Uh, But next on the docket is Kevin and I are going to give our power rankings for the XFL. Uh, The eight-team league, three weeks in, I think it's time to start um, calling people out for being – good or bad and uh i'll start with my number eight pick is the new york guardians
1: yeah i'm pretty sure that we have agreement here um there's no question at this point which team is in the most turmoil which team is struggling the most um i think that they have terrible quarterback play their defense doesn't really stop anyone and at this point i would find it very difficult to to make a wager on the guardians at any point
0: so they're 1-2. and two. Um, They only scored four touchdowns, which isn't, which isn't very good in three games. Uh, their one win was their first game, and they looked pretty good in that game, actually. Um, but when you look back at it, you know we had talked about it after the game. They played uh, a team where they were outgained by 160 yards in their win. So I think when you add all three of those up, even though they have a win and there's a team in the league um, without one, I think you still have to consider them to be worst off.
1: Yeah. Um, on the season, uh, they have scored 32 points and given up 59. Um, they Through do, three games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's not good. <laughs> Those numbers are not impressive. So, yeah, they're very clearly the number eight seed, even though number eight in my power rankings, even though they are one and two.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you want to lead number seven? Yeah,
1: number seven for me is going to be the Tampa Bay Vipers.
0: (laughs) I have the same, which, again, is weird because the Guardians beat them. Yeah. But I think when you look at the game, the Vipers outgained them by a ton. They looked like the better team. They just got some bad breaks, picked turnovers.
1: Well, they're going to play each other again, and in that game I think the Vipers will be favored.
0: Yeah. Um, And, I mean, if you looked at the Vipers this week, they looked really good. Um, I'm very excited to see them this week, which we'll get to in the preview section, but, uh, it'll be very interesting to see that next one.
1: Yeah. Uh, number six for you, Tom,
0: number six, I have the Seattle dragons. Um, they're one and two as well. And there's a few one and two teams, but this one came down to me. They only have seven touchdowns and have allowed eight this year. Um, they're, they're, they are they they do not seem like a terrible team, but they're not they're not going to be able to compete with some of the better teams in this league. I don't think. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go again. I don't, I'm not worried if I'm having to play Seattle, if I'm one of these, these teams that are doing better.
1: And uh, we have agreement again. So uh, once again, once again, we have uh, <laughs> we did not discuss this before the show. And we just said, we're going to do power rankings, each of us. And, you know, I, I, I see them in the <laughs> same spot you know, this is a team that's, uh, scored 48 points, given up 64. Um, they, you know, their lone win was against the winless Tampa Bay Vipers. Yep. Uh, they've lost the other two games they played, including another home game that they had here against uh, Dallas. I, and on the road at DC, uh, week one. So I do not see a whole lot out of Seattle that I really like, and that slots them here at six. Uh, number five.
0: I, I, you, oh, I, yeah go uh, <laughs> i'll
1: go ahead on this um you know at, at this point I, I have to go with the wildcats at five
0: i also have the wildcats at five yeah
1: so i think <laughs> we're seeing the league very similarly right now starting um, to
0: sort itself out a little bit i think as well yeah um
1: now could seattle and los angeles flip-flop yeah they could i i think that yeah. i think those are two very similar teams so the point differential for the Wildcats—they're plus three on the season, believe it or not. They're seventy-four points for, seventy-one against. So
0: yeah, um, I mean they looked very impressive this week, which is why I moved them up. Is you know you weigh the season as a whole, but also most recent. Like well, how are they trending? Like you said earlier, the Guardians are trending to dumpster fire. These guys are trending towards being competitive in games. I mean there's going to be games coming up where they're probably going to be favored. Yeah. Even.
1: Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily love Los Angeles at all. They're another team that's just kind of floating out there, but you know, that I think that's where they fit here is at, uh, at the five slot.
0: All right. So now we're going to get into the top four here. Um, let's, let's just get right to it. These are going to be the four teams. If the season ended now would be in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so we have the, all the playoff teams in our top four as well, which is nice. Um, I have the DC defenders at number four. Um, So they have a same thing on their on the website. You see here they have a minus one touchdown differential. Uh, they started off good two and one. They looked abysmal this last week. Um, as Kevin had mentioned, the the record of the teams they would played and the talent they've played and their two wins drastically different than the rest of their schedule. They're going to see going forward. So until they start showing more, I put them at the bottom of of my list of the four playoff teams.
1: And uh, we have agreement again, as I'm on the defenders at number four. I, uh, <laughs> I was flip-flopping uh, between them and one other team at four. And um, I had to, uh, after this performance and the strength of schedule, in my opinion, um, I, I found that I had to slot DC in here in the fourth spot.
0: Yeah, my hardest one was actually LA and Seattle. I, yeah. I kept going, because eh, I think mm-hmm. you're splitting hairs with those two teams. Yeah. It's really going to be the next couple games that will sort them out. Yeah.
1: Well, at, at three, I have uh, Dallas. Oh, this is bad. Yeah.
0: I also have Dallas at three. <laughs>
1: that means we're going to be identical. Yeah. Yeah. Identical. identical.
0: <laughs> For all those who get that, congratulations. Yeah.
1: Um, Dallas at three um, with uh, a team that, you know, they're, they're pretty strong. Um, that. They got off to a, a little bit of a rough start without their starting quarterback, correct? Um, but they've also played, you know, a couple of decent teams. A lot will be found out this weekend about how good Dallas really is when they play Houston.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, this is one of the most, I mean, this is the most exciting XFL game this far. Yeah. And it'll be fun to watch. But I, th- I think again, I think Dallas. You give them a little benefit of the doubt when their first loss, they didn't have their starting quarterback. Right. Since they've got Landry Jones, they've looked very competent, very good in both games, in both their wins. They've clearly been the better team. Um, they are at an even touchdown ratio for the season so far. They've allowed six, scored six. You know that that makes me think they're in the they're they're fine. They're doing better than a lot of these teams that are in the negative. But they're even as far as touchdowns scored.
1: And the one thing that I want to point out is they've given up the fewest points in the league this year
0: um,
1: by one point over St. Louis. Uh, Those two teams seem to have separated themselves a little bit from the rest of the league uh, defensively. They're 45 and 46 points given up respectively. Uh, The team that's given up the third least amount is D.C., and they've played a terrible schedule. So, you know, to me, and they give up, but DC did give up 39 this week, so that really hurt that number for them. (laughs) Really crushed that number. (laughs) And and that Uh, you can't really put that on the defense. Not all of it. With with four and five, four or five turnovers that they had in the game. Five
0: turnovers. Yeah.
1: So you know that that DC defense doesn't deserve that 39 that got hung on them (laughs) this week at all.
0: Yeah. Offensive players buy buy some dinner, will you? Yeah. Feed those guys. So I think we're probably the same here for two and one then, which means two, we have the St. Louis Battlehawks. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they've looked impressive. We talked a lot about them for this last game. They've been very just solid. They're rock solid. Um, when I'm looking at the, one of my favorite stats to look at for power rankings is touchdowns for and touchdowns against. I think it gives you a good idea of finishing drives and allowing drives to be finished against you. Field goals can throw off stuff. Um, It is what it is, but they have a plus four touchdowns uh, for and against. Uh, That's pretty impressive through three weeks. They're two and one. They've been looking better each week. Um, Well, and and they just get
1: it done. Let me tell you, it wasn't that easy for me to say that Houston was the better of these two teams. Houston won a home game by four points against St. Louis. Um, You know, home field advantage is typically given at like three, three and a half somewhere in there that was a very even game that, that st louis fought hard in against that houston team they slowed them down more than anyone else both teams are plus four in touchdown plus minus yep. um you know that we're talking about two teams that are really close here yeah at the top of the league right now and i think that dallas is right behind them
0: yeah and i think that's the thing for houston and st louis um houston is undefeated so you kind of give them a nod especially when it came against st louis yeah. like you said i St. Louis played really well um, compared to the other teams against Houston. Yeah. And I think when you look at it now, that win for Houston looks a little better after seeing St. Louis these last two games and how well they've handled the other teams. Yeah.
1: Um, We're talking about – it's a competitive top of the top end of this league. It's just weird to see that D.C. team lay that, that egg like they did. But I think we might see it out of one of these other two teams too at some point. They could have a bad performance where they turn it over yeah. two or three times and get behind by 20, and you're chasing, and things just get ugly. So, you and know, matchups. That, you know, yeah. some
0: sometimes just matchups are just bad for you. Um, obviously, we see it in the NFL where a really good team loses to a bad team, and you just kind of scratch your head, and it's just a matchup thing. Um, just matchup well against you. So, I think I agree with you. The top of the league starting to separate itself. It's going to be interesting to see if some of these teams we have ranked in the middle, the DC Defenders, the Wildcats the Seattle dragons, are they able to make up some ground and improve or is it going to be like a, a three horse race here?
1: Well, and, and you know, the one thing is that East division is ugly right now because it feels like there's such a big separation between the top two and the bottom two teams. Yeah. That, that big gap right there feels like this could get ugly as the season goes on.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to get too far ahead in our, our schedule, but the defenders play the Vipers this week, If the defenders beat the Vipers. I kind of feel like that cements the, the separation. Yeah. Because I feel like the Vipers, if any of, you know, between the Guardians and the Vipers, the Vipers have the chance to climb up a little bit. Right. A win against the defenders, all of a sudden you're one and three. They're only two and two. You're a game out. Right. So that's the, the thing. That'll be an interesting game just to see if they can claw back in and make it interesting. Or if it's, you know, if the DC wins, all of a sudden they're three and one. The
1: Vipers are 0 oh and four. I mean, the Guardians are probably going to go down again. They'll be, you know, they'll be well, one and three. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so, you, so you, you might see some more separation, or will they reel them in and keep it close? I'm hoping um, that we see some really good football this weekend because I think some of these guys, the one thing that I'm loving about this league is that the winners get paid. I think yeah. that that inputs a lot. I mean, you see some of these celebration in the, <laughs> in the locker room. They're really pushing to win. Um, not that they don't in the NFL, but I think when you're talking about the, the amount of money they're making, these bonuses mean a lot to these guys, uh, these win bonuses they're getting.
1: Yeah, so um, that's uh, that's a wrap on our on our power rankings. I th- can't believe that it fell exactly identical. Yeah, that's um, weird. And we're gonna move on uh, to uh, some baseball, but we're gonna take a break, um, come back, get after it with a little uh, first. The first time we're really hitting on major league baseball, and an opportunity to really dig in on these NLEs and ALEs teams, and talk about what we see out of this coming season for those two divisions. So we'll be back with you momentarily. And we are back. And now it's time to talk some Major League Baseball for the first time.
0: Yes, and full disclaimer, Kevin and I are big baseball fans. Um, It is one of our favorite sports to talk about, watch. Um, You know, it is a long season. I know a lot of people, you know, tune in and out. But, you know, Kevin and I will be there. Game in, game out with our favorite teams, just kind of living and dying by uh, each series, <laughs> each three-game series here. So. Yeah,
1: and, you know, let's make it clear early on who our favorite teams are. Uh, Tom is a Braves fan, uh, yeah. has been his whole life. Chop on. Yeah, I, I grew up a Cubs fan. Go Cubs, go.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, both our teams are good right now, which always makes it a little more exciting, a little more fun. So.
1: No doubt. I mean, I went years with a team that wasn't good, so yeah. you've had a lot of, a lot of success in the regular season, yes, and Some, not so much in the World <laughs> Series and playoffs.
0: playoffs. Lately, have been terrible. So,
1: yeah. So let's get let's talk about the AL East first, Tom. Yep. And um, this is a division that is the Yankees are heavily favored to win the division at minus one thousand,
0: minus one thousand.
1: Yeah, they are uh, expected to run away with this division today. Breaking news: Luis Severino who was going to be number two in their rotation uh, is going to be out for the season with Tommy John surgery. So that definitely will have an impact. And, you know, one of the things that I was looking at was their starting rotation and they added Garrett Cole, but Domingo German is suspended. The first 61 games Severino is out for the season with uh, Tommy John surgery. And then there are question marks behind that. I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, Tanaka, right. It's going to be the, The two in that rotation now.
0: Yep. Cole, Tanaka, J.A. Happ, Jordan Montgomery, and then they have Michael King now slated as the five. Um, They will be getting James Paxton back May or June. Yeah. Um, So he should give them some in-house help. Uh, You definitely think with this injury that they may look at adding somebody. You know, they've never been shy about making moves. Um, And with a team that's expected to win the World Series or else, uh, which they should be based on this lineup, it's nasty. Um, you know they yeah. definitely should be looking to try to bolster that
1: their projected starting lineup Tom can you run down that for me uh, we're yeah. taking a look here through Major League Baseball just came out with a great article this week uh, laying down what the expected opening day lineups are for all 30 N- uh, MLB yes. teams
0: so yeah so we have uh, they have DJ LeMay at second base um, leading off then Aaron Judge uh, Glaber Torres Giancarlo Stanton Gary Sanchez Brett Gardner, Luke Voigt, Mike Tauschman, and Gio Urshela. Yeah. And I told you I'd be better with baseball names.
1: Yeah, that was better. No doubt about it. Uh, they um, also
0: will get Aaron Hicks back as well, and he may work in with Gardner. We'll kind of see how that turns out when he gets back.
1: Yeah, and you know he'll definitely be a big part of what they do uh, yeah. later on in the season. So this Yankees team early on in the season – uh, may not be as strong as they will later on in the season when they return. Uh, German uh, make some moves, I'm sure, close to the deadline to add some more talent to that roster, um, as they seem to have. You know, not only an unlimited budget, um, <laughs> but they'll be able to. Uh, they'll give up whatever it takes to add to this team yeah. to compete to win a World Series this year.
0: So last year they were 103 and 59, and um, this year they are at. Um, Projected 101.5 wins is the over/under for the season total for them.
1: Yeah, and that was juice to the over, right? Heavily juice to the over, minus One, 150 minus if you want to play the over. Um, right now is probably as good a time as any to play the under because I would imagine it might move down a little with the with the Severino news. Yeah, um, some of the other factors that are involved there. The thing is, they are close to the the largest favorite to win their division, and if not the largest favorite to win their division. And the rest of the AL East is down a little bit right now. So with the Red Sox seemingly coming down a little bit, um, losing, obviously giving away Mookie Betts, essentially, <laughs> and um, you know trying to get under the luxury tax numbers. So uh, I anticipate that they're going to get close to that number regardless. Yeah. But maybe the Severino injury and the German suspension, those might be enough to impact them and, and keep them at around 98 99 wins
0: yeah when i look at it i really feel like tanaka and, and a- J A hap are going to be the big the big ones for them um tanaka two years ago was amazing last year he had an up and down season uh, still ended up with good numbers obviously you're gonna win a lot of games with that lineup behind you if you just you know keep the ball in the park most of the time you're gonna be all right um and then hap like how how much can they get out of him jordan montgomery i know some people are really high on you know, I, you don't expect much. Coming to off Tommy
1: John, um, yeah. he did touch 94 the other day. He looked really good. Um, so there's understanding that, that he may be able to bounce back. But he was initially competing to try to win that five, and now he's almost certainly going to be in the rotation.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things. You, you don't really expect a ton from your fourth and fifth starters. You're hoping to get innings, KPN games. Um, so – and nope. a strong
1: bullpen with this team, so because Chapman of that, yeah, because, because of that strong bullpen, they have guys that can eat innings. Should they get in trouble, uh, with some of their uh, later rotation starters, and then they feel like they can count on Garrett Cole to do seven, eight, you know, plus innings every time he goes out there. Yeah, and that'll make a huge difference for team. Yeah,
0: and Tanaka, even in his struggles last year, he he was an inning eater. He's really good at yeah. minimizing damage. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to be strong. I think they should be favored. We'll just see if it's if, if they've run into any injury problems, any more injury problems, I good should say, because they're already having some with their pitching staff. If any of their hitters get hurt, missed a significant amount of time, you know, it may be very interesting. And,
1: you know, projected for second in that division right now is the Rays. Uh, that's what they've got for uh,
0: yep. gambling purposes anyway. So last year Tampa Bay finished ninety six and sixty six, you know, thirty games over five hundred, real good. They were seven games back. Um, this year, they are the over-under is 90.5 wins for them. Uh, they have them taking a step back.
1: Yeah. Um, rotation here is young and, and pretty strong. Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, and Yanni Chirinos. Um, Nick Anderson is their closer. The lineup is not a lineup of names that strike fear in your heart at all. Right but they seem to play great, sound, fundamental baseball every year.
0: Yeah. So, a we'll run down the lineup, they have Austin Meadows leading off, uh, Yandy Diaz, Jimen Choi, Hunter Renfro, Yashitomo Sututsko, Satutsuko, Sutsugo, I think. Uh, Brandon Lowe, Mike Zanillo, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, and Willie Adams at shortstop, who yeah. is fast, in case yeah. you don't know.
1: <laughs> so... You know, it's, it's a team of guys that you don't know a lot of names. They're not household names, uh, but it's a team that's, that's well-constructed. Yeah. Um, I anticipate them taking a slight step backwards this year. Uh, I don't think 96 wins is feasible for this group, but they sure. could fall around that, you know, in the high 80s or so.
0: Yeah, they're, they're a team that seems to do well at what they do. What they do is they bring up young players, put them in positions to succeed, don't ask a lot from them. They play tight games a lot. Um, and they just try to squeak out wins here and there, and they always seem to, to be right around that 85 to 90 win total um, more often than not in the last you know 10 years or so.
1: Right. So, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more on the Rays. Um, the team projected next in the division would be the Boston Red Sox. Um, and they, on the other hand, have a lot of household names in that starting lineup, um, including the guy at the top of the rotation, Chris Sale.
0: Yeah, so Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Evaldi, Evaldi yeah. and then um, Martin Perez. They actually don't have a fifth pitcher listed yet. That's definitely something that's going to come down to spring training and how everyone looks. Um, so, you know, the top-heavy, I would describe this, uh, this pitching staff. Um,
1: and and top-heavy in the lineup, too. You get The first four guys are yeah. all dangerous. Uh, ben Intendi, Bogarts, Rafael DeVers jd martinez that that's as tough a top four that you're going to face anywhere in the league it's what kind of production can they get from the bottom half of that lineup Um, mitch morland's gritty uh journeyman kind of guy um christian vasquez is is a solid catcher and if he keeps taking steps forward as a a guy at the plate um, that's another weapon for them Uh, jackie bradley jr is the most hot and cold hitter i've ever (laughs) seen in baseball history he's either hitting everything or he's hitting nothing uh, Kevin Pillar is right now slated to start in right field. Uh, that is until uh, the star return for the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, <laughs> Alex Verdugo comes back from his injury, the stress fracture in his back. I don't know if that's going to be how long that's going to last. It's an it's an injury you don't hear a lot about, and it's hard to kind of project when his return is going to be.
0: Yeah, they. I mean, they really just say like, "There's no timetable. We'll we'll take it kind of week by week. See, so yeah, add a little more, a little more." And Jose
1: Peraza is projected to be the second baseman. Um, they don't have a DH list. Uh, you know, uh, uh, they, they have J.D. Martinez as the primary DH. He, he's the only one that's going to do that all year long. So it's not like there's any question about rotating guys into position. Uh, J.D. Martinez is a specialist that's just going to bat for them. Yeah. They want to keep him out of the field because they don't want to risk any injury for him because he's so much value at the plate.
0: Yeah, and so last year the Red Sox were 84-78. and 78. Um, This year they're they're right there again They have them over under 84 and a half games so they expect them to be more of the same you know they're they're gonna be good they're gonna win more than you know would be a little over but
1: and they've had their fair share of drama along with the astros in the offseason as well
0: report Um, today is that that those levies will come out um sometime in march
1: yeah So, you know, we don't know what exactly is going to happen there, but we do know that Ron Reneke is going to take the helm as the interim manager at this time. Um, Who knows what the long-term plan is going to be. Reneke's a good baseball guy. He's been around for a while, spent some time as a manager in the past. So it's not somebody that I think is going to be a hindrance to them, but it's, um, you know, that whole thing is hanging over the Red Sox as well. Um, So... You know, I'd be hesitant to, to make any kind of play on a Red Sox team this year going into the season.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting to see what how well they do. I mean, Betts is a big star to lose him and, you know, not know when the guy you got back for him is even going to be able to play. It's definitely an odd situation to be in.
1: So let's move on to the team that was projected for third in the division. And uh, Tom and I were talking in the break about – Uh, teams that we might like to see here out of this group. And I told him, I'm excited about this Blue Jays group. I I love this Blue Jays team. They have so many names that are legacy players. Um, You got Dante Bichette's son playing uh, shortstop and leading off Bo Bichette. Then you got Kevin Biggio playing second base, just like Papa. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel playing left field, batting third, Teoscar Hernandez playing center. And then, the phenom vladimir guerrero jr
0: the impaler 2.0 yeah
1: playing third um mashing balls i'm sure uh, you've got a veteran presence in randy Gritchik playing uh right field um travis shaw who looks to regain his form from 17 and 18 after a down season with milwaukee last year if shaw can step up um it, it could be a, a pretty solid lineup uh rowdy Telez is listed currently as the dh and danny jansen is the catcher who was a, a nominee for a golden glove last year um which is you know a big deal um and then you got to talk about their rotation behind that tom so so what are they looking like now
0: so they got rue um, who's going to be their their ace uh tanner rourke chase anderson matt shoemaker and sean yamaguchi Oh, I'm not really familiar with I don't
1: I, I'm not either um I think the addition of Rio in the offseason is huge for them
0: yeah so it gives them a, a, a real bona fide ace starter yeah and also keeps Rourke as your second I mean Rourke's solid you I mean he's, he's, he's been either.
1: involved with the the Nationals when yep. when they were good yeah um, he's no again another veteran presence on the roster uh to pair with all of this young talent. Uh, Their over-under on the season was 74-and-a-half.
0: So, yeah, last year they were 67-and-95, um, but this year the over-under set at 75-and-a-half. 75-and-a-half,
1: is it? Yep, yeah,
0: 75-and-a-half with juice right now to the over at 125.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to play the over on this team. This is one that, um, you know, I know we weren't going to get big into the wagers, but I'm telling you this is one that's going to be on my projection uh, later this year when we do the, the – um, Pre-season, essentially projections and who we're going to wager on their over-unders. This one will be on my list, undoubtedly. And we also talked a little bit about the odds to win the division. It's an interesting way to, to make a wager, but for me, this team shows more upside than any other in baseball when it comes to their young talent that's coming up together. It reminds me of a Cubs team that was bringing guys like Javi Baez, Addison Russell, Chris Bryant all up together and now they're going to be in their second season working together for for an, their full entire season together, their first entire season together. Right. And uh, I think that this group could really overachieve, and they may not have that tightness factor that, that, you know, I'm afraid of anything or, you know, don't make a mistake. So I think at plus 3,500 to win the division, what if the Yankee season falls apart? What you know, you know you've lost Severino. What happens if Garrett Cole goes down?
0: Yeah. And now like, all
1: of a sudden that rotation's an absolute freaking disaster in New York.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's tough because you know the Yankees. If if they stay status quo, they're going to win the division. They're going to be around that hundred game win mark. And I don't think the Blue Jays can get even if everything goes great. I don't think they can get to a hundred. But like you said, if the Yankee season falls apart, injuries, you never know. Toronto could get into. They might be able to squeak to eighty-eight wins. Yeah,
1: and maybe maybe ninety if
0: things get really
1: flying for them. You know, it's the Ryu (laughs) edition is is huge. Yeah, Uh, Roark being part of this staff is huge, and you know they've got a couple of young guys behind it. I, I just there's something about this roster when I was looking at it today that really piqued my interest and said, you know what, I think they can make the playoffs. Even if, even if they don't win that division, I think right. they can make the playoffs as that young, exciting team. And then it's kind of – you saw that with the Braves with Acuna and, and some of the other young guys LB, working their yeah. way up, Ozzy Albies. And, you know, that when you see this kind of group coming up together, you know eventually it's going to click. Is it this season or do we got to wait one more?
0: Right. Um, so the last team on the AL East is the Baltimore Orioles, 54-108 and 108 last year the over-under this year is not much better they're projected to be 55 and a half is the over-under right now uh when you look up and down the roster the, the starting lineup the starting pitchers there's not a lot of names that again jump out of you there's not a lot of people you're familiar with yeah i mean chris davis chris davis
1: <laughs> uh trey mancini who's you know he has some exciting moments um other than that, the names that you see here, are, yeah. I mean, Alex Cobb pitching, you know, he spent time with the Rays, uh, seemed like a good middle-of-the-rotation guy. He's slotted as the two here. John Means is the, the left-handed star, starter that's listed as the one. Um, I don't know where the wins come from with this group. No. But you, you're never going to catch me betting a team under 54-and-a-half, though, I'll tell you that. So
0: Yeah, I think this is one you just kind of stay away from from this team gambling-wise. Yeah. Uh, they don't have anybody I'm confident in, you know. It, it, we, they may develop. That's the thing when you have a bunch a team full of young unknowns, it's tough to predict how that's going to work. Um, so we'll, we'll see there. Uh, I am going to say I, I, I think you have to pick, you pick the Yankees to win this division. Um, I know that's not exciting, and I think you'll see a few of that where it's, you know, some of these are just so obvious that it doesn't it doesn't really seem like you can pick. It doesn't seem like you can pick against them, you know. Right. Uh, so, like we we're saying, if this goes wrong and that goes wrong and this goes wrong, maybe those are the teams you want to bet on. Um, you know, you don't you don't want to bet on it because of the numbers, but in our proje- predictions, I would predict the Yankees to win the division.
1: Yeah, same here. Uh, I'll be on the Yankees to win the division, um, but you know, put a side note down there. I'm going to put 20 bucks on the Blue Jays to win the division at plus 3,500 because 700 bucks, if things go sideways for 20 bucks, I'm wor- I'm taking that risk uh, with the upside of this group. I feel like they're the ones that can shock everyone. We were, we, you know, we were talking about the over under with the Blue Jays. Um, and let's say they go 14 and four against that bad Orioles group. Right. And then they manage eight and 10 against the Red Sox yeah and even nine they should go nine and nine against that Red Sox group with this young talented team and I'd give them the same against the
0: Rays I think the Rays are tough but they're not going to be that much better than them I would not think top to bottom definitely not yeah
1: so let's say they go eight and ten against them seven and eleven against the Yankees guess what you're still plus five after division play yeah and that means that that to hit the over of 75 and a half, you can go like minus six or minus seven against everyone else in baseball. And I think that they're facing some of the tougher squads in baseball throughout the course of their division play, um, which is the reason that it, that I love their over. All right. So let's move on to the NLEs, Tom. And, you know, this is one that this is going to suck for me because I'm going to have to listen to Tom's. Or, or You know, he'll probably fight off his homerism a little bit but I've already heard him whining and being bitter about uh, some projections he heard from, what, the Sporting News or
0: something? The Sporting News can suck it. They have the Braves at finishing fourth in the division. Yeah. I'd like to see where that guy got his press credentials from.
1: Tom, I'm going to take a back seat and let you talk to me about the Braves.
0: So I'm very excited about Atlanta this year. Um, Last season, um, season, 97-65, won the division – they're actually projected to lose to uh, for their over/unders ninety one and a half right now, so less than they had last year. Um, the big loss of Josh Donaldson may be fueling that. Um, let's take a look at the the lineup. Is, is I think amazing for the NL East or for the NL. You have Acuna Jr. who's setting his sights on the first fifty fifty season of all time is his goal. Uh, Ozzy Elby. Can I just
1: interrupt briefly regarding sure. Acuna? Uh, I was listening to a podcast today. I apologize for, for not recalling the name of the podcast, but it was a, an NL East-based uh, podcast. And uh, they were talking about Acuna and his maturity is the biggest thing. And apparently Freeman's gotten on him a few times about like base running-related stuff yeah, and making stupid issues. errors. And um, they also said that he could be as good as Mike Trout or better yeah. if he's able to rein in some of the arrogance and – They actually compared him a little bit to like Christian Christian Yelich and his problems in Mm -hmm. Miami, and saying you know at some point the Braves going to get fed up and just let him uh, trade him away in order to gain more assets uh, because they don't want to deal with the headache anymore. So it's really about can he humble himself and say I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and be the best player in baseball because he has that kind of talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine them trading him with a team-friendly contract he has. Yeah, not
1: not now, not not this year, not next year. Probably in a couple of years you'd be looking at that kind of conversation, yeah. just like the Cubs have had with Chris Bryant over the last
0: year. So you have Acuna Jr., you have Ozzie Elbies, then Freddie Freeman, uh, Marcelo Zuna they've added. You have Travis Darnot, Dansby Swanson. Um, there's a little up in the airness about the third base. Is Johan Camargo going to come, or is the young Austin Riley going to going to take over that position. It's or really are they good. going to trade
1: for Chris Bryant?
0: You know I'm all about that trade. Give, <laughs> give, me some pro, give up some prospects. Put Chris Bryant in here between Freeman and Azuna and look out. And then Ender Inciarte is going to play center field. You also have Nick Markakis coming off the bench now. I mean, loaded.
1: You, you remember back when uh, we went to D.C. and watched the Braves and the Nationals and I was drunkenly yeah. chanting Ender's name from the center field yeah. perch? Yeah, uh, I just kept going. Ender. Yeah. Or then I would mix it up with NCRT. <laughs>
0: Ender. Uh, that was a fun game because Strasburg pitched and the Braves won 13 nothing. Yeah, Pick I it up. I won an ass
1: load of money <laughs> yeah. on DraftKings, DraftKings that day.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the starting line the starting pitchers are are young guys with a lot of upside. Mike Soroka was great last year. Uh, Mike Fultonavich is one of these guys who every time out there he could pitch a no-hitter or he also could allow five runs in three innings. you got to be careful of that. Max Freed, I think, has the chance to be the best of this group. Um, He's really young but very sharp. Sean Newcomb, solid. Kyle Wright looks like he's going to start in the lineup. They also added Cole Hamels, who's working through some injuries rehabbing. And they added multiple people to this bullpen to kind of sure that up after some issues in the playoffs and down the stretch last year. I
1: I think I'm like the biggest Sean Newcomb fan in in baseball. Yeah. Because every time I watch the kid, I'm just like, I really like what he brings. First off, he's he's tall. He's left-handed. You know, left-handed people hold a special place in my heart because I'm from Warsaw. Um, <laughs> the, the the whole inside joke, is That's that's a hard one to understand. Um you know, Sean Newcomb is really fun to watch. Every time I watch him go out there, it feels like he's got pretty good command and he's got the talent to really win a ton of games.
0: Yeah. Uh again, I think you're you're missing the Max Fried boat. Maybe you just haven't seen him enough. Max Fried is everything just a little better. Also left handed, also six four. Um, just a little better command.
1: I like an underdog. <laughs> fair I, fair enough. I hope that Newcomb has a way better season than Freed does this year.
0: Well, I mean, I'm okay with it as long as one of them does. Um, so when you look at this team top to bottom, there's not a lot of holes. Um, they have veteran guys on the team. Travis Darno, I think, is a good add. Um, Arzuna coming to add some pops since they um, moved on from Donaldson. That contract just didn't seem to to get done. The Braves didn't want to commit to that extra year, it seemed. Um but they still have so much talent in in this lineup. Um, it should be very interesting to see how it goes.
1: You like Mark Melanson.
0: I do. And I like that. They got insurance in the bullpen though, more than anything. Um, you know, adding guys, all-star pitchers, um, to the bullpen. is never a bad idea. And they went out and did that. Uh, so we'll see. I think that they have, I think they're the best team in the division. Spoiler alert. Um, but you yeah. got to gotta go out and play the games, right? So, Shocking news. Uh, the team that won the division two years in a row, I think is still the best. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Oh, boy. So up next, um, they have the Washington Nationals, the World Series champion, Washington Nationals, as much as that drives me nuts to say. Um, last year, 93-69, and 69, caught fire, made the wild card, won the World Series this year. Yeah. Eighty-nine and a half.
1: That's low for a defending World Series champion, yeah, right? But they're in a maybe one of the most competitive divisions in baseball. I think that you could put a bet on any one of those teams at the top of that division and feel comfortable with it because and feel like you have a chance throughout the course of the season. Uh, when I say at the top of the division, I, I'm referring to Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Washington. I think all three of those teams can yeah. compete for the division uh, after Philadelphia's underachieving performance last season. Um, I think they belong closer to the top of that division. Yeah. Um, the Nationals lineup, you know, it's Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, Juan Soto. And then they've got a lot of question marks about who's going to start. Is it Carter Keboom? Is it Bal Cabrera um, at third base? At second base, is it Starlin Castro or is it Howie Kendrick?
0: I don't know how that's a question. I, I think Castro's a much Castro's better.
1: the far better player. Yeah, I, I think I, Howie's
0: I, maybe a little more consistent, dependable. Yeah. But Castro definitely has the better upside.
1: Um, then you've got uh, Eric Thames uh, coming in from uh, he, he, that. That's a power bat. That that guy's a scary dude in the yeah. in the box. Yeah. When he steps in, he looks like he could send it deep every single time. Big dude. Um, Kurt Suzuki playing catcher. You're Veteran familiar with him. Yeah, calls he's Calls a very around. good game. Um, and Victor Robles in center field. He's a speed dude. Uh, get him on base and let him run. Yeah. Uh same thing with Trey Turner. You know, that they've got some speed in this yeah, lineup. Trey
0: Turner causes problems. Yeah. Uh, but I mean their strength is still their, their starting pitching staff. Yeah, no question. You know Scherzer got... Scherzer's nasty. Strasburg's been great. Corbin's very good. Annabal Sanchez is a great player to have as a fourth yeah. starter. And Joe Ross. Joe Ross. Is five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
1: that 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 lineup is really strong up and down when you talk about their pitching staff and that's what's yes. gonna make them competitive in in and out. Like no matter what kind of game they get in. Um, no matter what time kind of team they face, uh, you got to feel pretty good that their starting lineup is going to run out there. Um, you're gonna it, Joe Ross. I, I'm running him out on the fifth day against the Braves, and I don't feel scared that we're gonna get we're gonna give up six.
0: Yeah, you you feel like you still have a shot in the game, and that's a that's a nice feeling with your fifth starter. A lot of times you're like, well, if we win, it's a bonus. Um, that's not how that is for them. They they hey, feel like they should be in those games.
1: Listen, as a Cubs fan, I know what it's like to have five threes. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's basically what I feel about
0: their rotation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so after them, it gets interesting again. We have uh, the New York Mets, who 86-76 80, last year. This year, it's 87-and-a-half with juice to the under right now.
1: Yeah, so interesting group in New York. Um, a lot of people are talking about this – New York lineup and some of the guys that are there now, because for years it was their rotation's amazing, and that's what's going to keep them in things. Because they had all those young stud pitchers, right? Well, now they seem to have, they've added a couple of veteran pitchers to that young group. The two young studs, Degrom and Cindergard, they've added Strowman and Porcello to the mix. There, Stephen Matz has been solid. Yeah. And their lineup, people are saying a lot of great things. Suspetus um, is not listed on here in the starting lineup, so I wanna I wanna factor that in now because when Suspetus is right, he's as good as they get. Yeah. Uh, but Jeff McNeil at third, Pete Alonso at first. Let's see if he can repeat what he did last year. Uh, Conforto in right field. He's going to continue to be what he is, and that's a, it's a, a good, above-average, solid yeah. baseball player. J.D. Davis is currently listed as the left, starting left fielder. Robbie Cano um, at second base. Wilson Ramos is a great hitting catcher. Brandon Nimmo in center. And Ahmad Rosario at short. Um,
0: yeah, it's the, sec- the the last three in their lineup really doesn't right. do anything for you. Um their first, their first, you know, five guys are good. Especially when you swap JD Davis out for Cespedes, that's a that's a really solid top five. But six, seven, eight, and then you throw in a pitcher at nine. Those that's four spots where you're thinking your pitcher has an advantage. We can we can work around some of these guys and get some outs. Um, I think that's why they moved Alonzo to second in this is to kind of give him some more protection because if he's at four, yeah, you know, you're not gonna you're gonna be able to pitch around him a lot easier then.
1: yeah. Well, and, you know, when you look at uh, DeGrom and Cindergard, you really got two guys that are a one on most teams.
0: Yes, both of them.
1: And then you got Stroman, Porcello, and Mats. Stroman and Porcello are both guys that could be twos or threes on teams. Um, so their pitching staff is great one through four. Um, they're going to be tough to deal with when it comes to that. I didn't spend enough time thinking about their pitching staff when I was looking into this, um, but their pitching staff is going to make them very tough to beat this season. So um, – I'm not necessarily a Mets fan. I've been around a lot of Mets fans in my life. Uh, I can think of three of them off the top of my head that, uh, you know, I've listened to talk about the Mets incessantly, but (laughs) I think that I'm on the over for the Mets season this year. Um, Not necessarily to win the division, but I'm on the over for them.
0: Yeah, I think the hardest part for them is the division. I mean, like you said – you're you got to play the Braves, Nationals, and Phillies each 18 times. That's a lot yeah, of tough yeah. tough games, and that's the same thing for all four of those teams. The, the games against each other are not going to be easy. Uh, up next, the Phillies who finished 81 and 81. Their um, over under for the season this year is 85 and a half. Um, a lot of money spent on this team. Uh, some very disappointed Philly fans, which never hurts my heart. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you, you know, you got you got a team where it looks on paper like they should do pretty well. I mean, we'll go through the lineup. Andrew McCutcheon, JT Realmuto, Bryce Harper, Rice Hoskins, Didi Gregorius. Uh, Gene Segura. Gene Segura, Scott Kingry, and Adam Hasley. You know, again, the top part of this lineup is really good. Didi is a very explosive player. He also goes through hot and cold streaks um
1: segura's rock solid at second base he's a good speed guy um scott kingery had a lot of promise as a young player i think he still is a little bit uh you know he he's he's a good solid third baseman he's not gonna hurt you at all there
0: and then and the seven hole you know you're
1: and adam hazley i'm not familiar with him really i don't know i don't know how good he is so i would have to uh do a little research there um honestly you know and i'm going to i'm going to be straightforward about this i haven't had enough time to to dig in on baseball yet because we've been so football heavy all the way through the super bowl then the xfl kicked off and and a lot of my reading has been on teams outside of the cubs of course yeah it has been revolving around football so it's been tough for me this year to get a great handle on some of the guys that are up and coming or some of the fringe guys on teams so um that makes it a little challenging for yeah. me here um,
0: i give you a stats real quick from last year 222 at bats five homers uh, 266 average. So yeah, and he's you know, is
1: he a stolen base guy, good defender. Any idea there? Uh, it
0: doesn't look like he had much on either. Um, however, he he you know he plays center field. It says plus center fielder here. I, I know. Yeah, you know, again, he looks like he split his time with the minors last year. Yeah, a WAR of 1.7, so not exactly knocking down the the door for anything there. Right,
1: but I mean, if he's in your eight hole, you can live with right. that. Yeah, so. only four
0: stolen bases last year. Yeah.
1: Um, and then their pitching staff, uh, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Jake Arrieta, Zach Eflin, and Vince Velasquez. Now, I have a special affinity in my heart for for Jake Arrieta. Um, he will forever hold a place with me as the guy that resurrected a career from the, from the Orioles and then uh, was the heart and soul of that Cubs team that won the World Series. Um, love the guy. And... I hope that he has a great season every year, like except when he pitches against the Cubs. Of yeah.
0: Course. And I think their top three are, you know, can match up against any top three. Uh, yeah. But then I, you know. Zach
1: Eflin's pretty good too. Yeah.
0: He's, you know, four four ERA career. Yeah. I mean, Vince Velasquez is even worse. Yeah. So
1: that's they, where they're going to have their, you know, they're going to need one of those guys to take a step forward. Yeah. Um, I really like their roster, though. I, I really like their lineup. Uh, one, th- If you ask me, one through seven, I think their batting order might be the most difficult to deal with in, in the NL East.
0: Get out of here. Yeah, I know. You, you don't like There's that. There's no though. way. McCutcheon's best days are behind him.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe he's been in situations where he hasn't had anybody hitting behind him. to to. He was there last to... year. I get it. I get it. But. Real Muto is one of the top five catchers in the game. Bryce yes. Harper is one of the top five players in the game. Reese, Co- Reese Hoskins is a really good player. Didi Gregorius has nothing but upside still and has had great numbers already. Um, you know, so I, I, I like them one through five in particular. And then Segura is, you know, I think a top. Mm, nah, I guess he's like a middling second baseman. Kingery is probably the same at third base. Yeah. So.
0: McCutcheon hasn't batted above 300 since 2014. Yeah of marriages that haven't lasted that long.
1: That's true. Very true. Um, so let's move on. I mean, I, I like the Phillies team. Uh, what was their over-under? Uh,
0: theirs is 85 and a half, which I think is, you know, when you look at the those three teams in the middle right there, Nationals, Mets, Phillies, I think any of them can be in that area from where they're like 80, 81 wins to 89, 90 wins, any of the three of them depending on how things go. Like you said, some guys step up if they avoid big injuries. Any of the three of them can be in that area where they're neck and neck with Atlanta pushing them to take the division. So I think that's the scary part as a Braves fan. You don't know which of the three of them is going to be the team that is at the end of the season you're chomping it out with. But you know one of them probably will sort themselves out like they did last year. Uh, The Nationals, Phillies, and Mets at one point were all lumped up, and then towards the end it kind of sorted itself out. Um, and I expect the same thing. It's a tough division. Those f- top four teams are, are pretty good. And then, you know, everyone beats up on the Marlins. So, sorry. All right. Well,
1: hey, um, Tom, take the wheel on the Marlins. I'm going to mix another drink while you do it.
0: All right. Marlins last year, 57-105. and 105. Uh, They're over under this year, 64-and-a-half. So, the people are definitely giving them some credit for some changes here. Uh, we're going to run through their lineup really fast as well. Uh, Jonathan Villar, Brian Anderson, Corey Dickerson, Jesus Aguilar, Jorge Alfaro, um, Isan Diaz, uh, Miguel Rojas, and Luis Brinson. Um, again, not a lot of household names. You do have some a lot of guys with upside that are coming up, and the, in a in a way they tried to they try to mimic themselves after the Tampa Bay Rays just with a lot less success. You know, they're in a division where a lot of these teams are spending big money. Uh, They don't have the ability to do so. So they try to get young players and put them in position to take big steps and then flip them for more young players. And they just have a, they haven't had the kind of success Tampa Bay has with the same kind of model. Not not in a while, anyways.
1: Right, no doubt. And, um, you know, I'm back, by the way, guys. I made my drink in the time that he was covering their lineup, which is pretty impressive, I must (laughs) say. That comes from, uh, you know, being an old pro.
0: Years of practice. (laughs)
1: Years of practice. Um, You know, there was a lot of talk on the podcast I was listening to today about how they feel like Jeter is, is turning things around a little bit, starting to add some people. Um, you know, Jonathan VR was the big addition in the off season. Um, Corey Dickerson, I've seen around for years and, and everybody like looks at him as, as a great future prospect. And, you know, by now he's got to be close to 30 years old and I'm not sure he's really a prospect anymore. (laughs) Right. Uh, At some
0: point that bubble bursts.
1: Yeah. Um, Aguilar is a a talented dude, uh, that can hammer the ball. Uh, the question is, you know, can he do it without much support around him and our guys just going to pitch around him? My biggest concern with the group is the pitching staff: Sandy Alcantara, Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez, Jordan Yamamoto, Eliezer Hernandez. I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever watched any of those guys start a game in the major leagues.
0: Well, Alcantara's nasty.
1: He's I've nasty. I had a chance to watch him, so
0: yeah, he's nasty. He had uh, made it was an All Star last year. Um, he's got some filthy stuff. He can put some heat on the ball. Yeah. Uh, last year, three point eight eight ERA. Uh, only six and 14 but when your team is abysmal it's kind of tough to get above that uh two complete game shutouts last year um you know he really he really has nasty stuff um he just really it's it's kind of tough to win games it's kind of tough to to get some notoriety when you're you have to pitch notoriety when, when you have to pitch Tom,
1: Tom's not drinking tonight guys, by the way, he's, <laughs> he's on Mountain Dew. That, that was there.
0: a, that was a sober mistake. <laughs> um, when you have to pitch eight innings to get a win, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it's definitely a tough thing, but he, he does have nasty stuff.
1: Uh, Brandon Kinsler's closing games for them. I got an up close look at him last season with the Cubs <laughs> and I would not be comfortable as my everyday closer. I'll tell you that. Um, so now let's make our projections for the season. Um, I didn't hear any on here that I loved as far as uh, season-long uh, over-unders that, that stood out to me.
0: Yeah, and I think it's because so many of the – we keep saying, we keep going back to the same point, but so many of those teams, those top four teams, you can see them going anywhere from 85 to 90, 92, yeah. any of the four of them, and it wouldn't surprise you. You wouldn't be like, oh, yeah.
1: I have a lean on the Mets over. That's the one lean that I have here on the season. So, um, yeah. and, you know, that's really it out of this for me. So
0: Yeah, I think the Phillies might have some good at uh, over because it's only 85 and a half. I mean, that team should, I think, based on their roster, win more than 85 games. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see when we get to our uh, – our season-long picks, what what we go with, but yeah. that would be out of this group. That's probably the one that's the most interesting. Yeah. Um, so who do you got winning the division?
1: Uh, I have the New York Mets winning the oh, division.
0: My goodness. I
1: that, think I think that that when I looked at the depth of that pitching staff and uh, the talent on this team, if the Mets don't met yeah. where they find a way to botch things throughout the course of the year, you know, like a,
0: a sale for billions of dollars, maybe they'll find yeah. a way to blow
1: that. Right. I mean imagine being the guy who's going to benefit from that and then they pull the completely plug completely blowing it yeah
0: just the just the mess yeah what a
1: disaster <laughs> but, a disaster yeah i i i am going to go with the mets to win the division um i i love your braves tom i, and, and I smell I've,
0: a side bet coming here for the yeah for the nl east yeah. i finally won't have to make it with eric i can make one with you for it yeah
1: right and everybody can hear it and i'll yeah. hear for the world to hear but yeah. when i when i looked through and and the talk that i heard about suspedes today uh coming back and sounding like he he's probably going to be back sooner than later
0: yeah they they expect him back by the regular season absolutely yeah. um they're they think he's going to play in in uh, spring training in the great yeah. league it's just a how fast do they want to move him back kind of deal. And,
1: you know, Pete Alonzo was incredible last year as a rookie, you know, just mashing the ball. Obviously, he's a swing and miss guy, but he, he mashes the ball. Uh, McNeil, people are saying, is a guy that could be a, a breakout, like, you know, perennial all-star kind of kid. Um, Conforto is rock solid. Cano has been there left-handed you know knocks it around pretty good. Wilson Ramos is is another addition that I saw here that I really liked. 1 through 6, I love this lineup and 1 through 5, I love the pitching staff against the other pitching staffs in the NL East.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously I'm going with the Braves. You know, you don't you don't go with what's broke. They've uh two two years in a row they've been sold short and won it, so I'm going to
1: Ask me who's going to win the NL Central. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know you're picking the Cardinals. Um, Uh, That
1: sound was Tom being knocked unconscious by my cup.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before it gets away from us, we do want to talk a little bit about the NFL combine. Um, Don't expect a lot of in-depth analysis here. We just want to have a little back and forth about what we get as fans of the draft and fans of college and pro football out of the NFL combine. I personally think a lot is made out of certain things that don't matter. Um, Yes, forty times are important at comparing what you saw on tape and making sure it checks out. I think football tape is always going to be more important. I think if you ask most pro scouts, that's the same thing. It's not. I don't have a novel take here. I think that's pretty much consensus around the league. But it's a it's a pony show. We put these new guys out there, get excitement for the draft. Um, there will be some things that surprise us. There will be some people that just do amazing things. Um, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. And a lot of times you just want to check off boxes. I think this guy's fast. Oh, he ran fast. Perfect. Moving on.
1: Yeah. And you know, there's a lot made of, of little things, uh, things like Like measurements, like Joe Burrow's hands. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. God, exactly where I was going. (laughs) Um, measurements. I mean, Joe Burrow's six foot three and has nine inch hands. Um, seemingly small, um, these are the kind of things that you end up hearing over the course of of the few days that they're there. Um, I feel like I want to call it, you know, I, I, I want to say that it's it's short of the underwear Olympics that people want to call <laughs> but, it. Yeah, it's somewhere between that and um, you know, this is awesome. I want to see every minute of it. Yeah, um, there. I like seeing some of the explosive stuff. Like, let me see those 40 times. Let me see if there's an athlete out there that's raw that that didn't get great coaching that, that might be able to be molded into something. Um, but I'm a tape guy when it comes down to it. Show me what you can do on the football field. And, you know, you have a great example right here in Buffalo and Devin Singletary who ran 4 right. 6 in the 50 last year and it allowed him to fall to Buffalo in what, the Third, third round? round, yeah. So that's, those are the kind of things that can happen because they see these numbers and they think, oh, man, you know, he doesn't have the physical ability to do what he does, but that's just not necessarily the case all yeah. the
0: time. Um, yeah, it is always fun to see, you know, there's there's numbers out there to see, you know, are, is someone going to break the bench press record? I know Henry Ruggs is saying that he's going to break the 40-time record, which to me, four two two is the record right now, and that's nuts. Yeah. So if he can – you can get there it'll be really amazing to see and i'll, I'll want to see that for sure but i think in general uh and this is something that i i hear from the the pundits uh todd mcshay and mel kiper more often than not it's how they act the rest of the time they're at the combine right these kids are there for an entire week there's nfl people scouts gms coaches and every bar yeah. club hotel lobby yeah. watching these guys taking notes who's in bed early who's sitting there with a uh, you know what are they listening to what are they driving who are they hanging out with um there's a story that bill o'brien told about when they decided to draft deshaun watson they saw him do a bunch of things and then on the field and they're like yeah yeah he's good but so are these other guys and then they saw him eating lunch in the cafeteria and all these guys coming to sit with him he went and sat by himself and all these guys came up you know high five shook his hand sat down to eat with them and you know during this time they saw 20-25 guys come up and you know give them some love and then go mind their own business and eat and then some guys just sit with them and they're like this guy's a leader people love him this is our guy yeah so
1: it's those those are the kind of moments that uh seem to be what separate people in the combine from whether i'm going to select them or i'm going to avoid that type of person, you know, that personality means a lot at this level. And uh, that can be the separator between someone who's a great player and uh, performs amazing on Sundays and someone who is a great physical talent that doesn't get it done
0: yeah i mean if you gotta think about it from their perspective this is a millions of dollar investment on, on these players you're you're betting your your team's success these gms are betting their jobs on on the success of their first yeah. round picks especially yeah and uh so it, it's very important i think they take it seriously um you know we'll we'll see i always like some of the little stories that come out of it it's not something i watch every night to, you know I, I like to see the breakdowns and you look at all the wide receivers 40 times and look at it, you know, that way. But I don't need to watch it in in real time as it happens.
1: I would rather take some time and sit down and watch some game film from their performances over the course of the season. So um, I think that, like, there are some great, like, all 22 films on YouTube, and you can go in and watch some of the major games over the course of the season and get a look at a lot of great prospects by doing that.
0: Yeah. And especially when you, you isolate people and watch um, watch them, I mean, there's some players you kind of know just because they've had such big profiles in their college career. But there's some guys you really don't get to to see that much, um, or focus that on. You know, you get some old linemen. You're not watching the old linemen the whole time you're watching a football game. Uh, but when you watch them in the All Twenty Two, when you're like, hey, this guy's being talked about. as being drafted in the top fifteen. Uh, check him out. It's easy to to zoom in and focus and see you know, what they're doing at those spots.
1: Yeah, Pat Kerwin wrote a great book several years back called Take Your Eyes Off the Ball, and that will teach you to look away from where the point of attack is or where the handoff is being made or how the quarterback threw the ball and let you see football in all its beauty. And that's something that you can't appreciate unless you understand it and spend the time trying to understand it.
0: Yeah. Um. Got anything else? No, that's it, it on that's the combine. It, yeah. yeah, you know, if anything happens, amazing. We'll, we'll we'll definitely dive back in next week. And I um, think
1: I think I think overall we might cover some of the the big prospects and yeah. their performances, the big underperformers, the big yeah. overperformers.
0: And I know that like quarterbacks, everyone wants to see the quarterbacks. I've heard millions of times that they're more interested in their pro days than the combine because the combine scripted do the X, Y, and Z. The yeah. pro days they get to say. Hey, you throw this pass, this pass, this pass. Right. And they go out and do it. So you get a little bit more of, maybe you have a question. Can this guy throw the deep out? Well, ask him, have him yeah. do it five times in a row. Does his arm get tired? Is he able to yeah. still zing it in there on the fifth throw? So you are able to, to get a little more interaction and uh, yeah. One-on-one activity with them that way.
1: Absolutely. And you know, a little inside baseball here, Tom and I are spending a lot of time preparing for our draft show. Yeah. Um, we're you know, going to be building a big board here between the two of us talking about, you know, some of the best prospects. So there's a lot of behind the scenes going into our preparation for that. Um, And we hope to announce some, some big things surrounding that, that show as well. Yes. uh, Coming up soon. Um, We also have another big announcement coming up um, regarding our website. Uh, We anticipate a launch of March 1st at this point. Um, Which is this Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) So, um this sunday we will be launching uh for the very first time hammeredsportspod.com yep if you go there now you won't see a whole heck of a lot uh <laughs> no you have fact, the password yeah there's going to be a restriction on it <laughs> uh, but we will be going live this sunday at hammeredsportspod.com yep. uh tom and myself will be writing articles And posting those on the page, you'll be able to get direct streams. And most importantly, you'll be able to uh, sign up for our mailing list and and get uh, the podcast sent to you as soon as they become available.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll send out an alert to you when we we post it. It'll send an email to you saying uh, the new pod's up. You'll be able to go in and listen to it right there. All our social media streams go to that as well. So, all that, if you want to stay hooked on everything, it's all in one place for you. Yeah,
1: you can go right to hammeredsportspod.com. Um, you know, we've also got uh, an Instagram page that we put together. Um, yep. Hammered Sports Pod, right? Yep. I, I think that's what it is. Yep. Hammered Sports Pod for the Instagram page. Um, our Twitter page is at hammered underscore sports we we're we've been relatively active on that on the weekends for sure um you know we both have day jobs obviously we can't be hitting up twitter all yeah. day long yeah. uh but on the weekend when sporting events are happening we're trying to drop you guys some information um i've in particular been trying to drop some picks out for you guys yep. um we've I, run
0: some polls we've had some uh some really interesting interaction between some people um some comments some fun back and forth so
1: yeah, and um, one thing I will tell you is that uh, I was very excited during that Renegades-Dragons game, right? Renegades-Dragons this past weekend. Uh-huh. I dropped a pick at halftime saying that I loved Renegades minus one at the half. And that pick was as easy as they get. I mean, they were minus one going to the second half, trailing at halftime, I think nine to, or 12 to 12. 12 to six or something like that. And uh, they ran away with it in the second half. So we're dropping some good knowledge. I'm throwing some college basketball picks out there. I don't profess to be an expert on that, but I'm looking for situational stuff and uh, trying to catch some winners there. So um, follow it, you know, and and when the, when the face, when the website comes out, you're going to have the opportunity to just go to the website and you'll see all of our social media feeds right there. Um, Also, we are transitioning the Facebook page from uh, Hammered Sports on Facebook to Hammered Sports Podcast. So you'll see that transition happening. We'll continue to post on the Hammered Sports Facebook page until we feel comfortable that everyone's moved over to the Hammered Sports Podcast Facebook yeah. page as well. Um, so right now we're just going to take a quick break here. Um, we're running a little long tonight. Obviously, we're, we're like uh, an hour and a half already into our podcast tonight, but I feel like we're sharing great information with you guys. And uh, we'll be back uh, with a little XFL preview for this upcoming weekend right tom
0: absolutely anything
1: else on the docket
0: uh week four and then that's it That the wrap it up for today
1: sounds good we'll be right back with you we are back as we wrap up the longest episode in hammered sports podcast history tonight yes longest to date longest to date yeah no 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 doubt that it's possible it could it could end up going longer at some point yeah but uh you know not tonight. What, it, it, nothing's going to beat tonight thus far. No. So.
0: <laughs> so we are now moving on to our XFL preview for week four. Uh, the first game is the LA Wildcats versus the New York Guardians. This is the Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. on ABC slot. Um, you have the 1-2 New York Guardians and the 1-2 LA Wildcats. Um, the Wildcats are minus 7 with an over-under of 40.
1: So, um, interesting situation here. L.A. comes off a uh, monstrous victory at home. Feeling good. Against a team that was 2-0 coming in. Uh, Confidence has got to be running high. Uh, The Guardians lost their second straight, and now they come back home after being dominated.
0: And who knows what's going on at quarterback for them. Yeah. So, there is a lot of questions there.
1: Yeah. Um, Based on what I saw in that L.A. game, L.A. just controlled the ball defensively and were able to stop D.C. from having any effective offense at all. And they created five turnovers. When you have a plus-five margin, it changes the outcome of the game dramatically, obviously. So to me, I think that L.A. is overrated coming into this game, traveling across the country, Oh, yeah, and I'm about to celebrate a, a wager victory here because I had Blackhawks and Blues over six, and the Blues just tied it at three, so that means I can't lose.
0: That's a winner.
1: That's a winner. Um, so, for me, LA is going to be slightly overrated coming into this game. The Guardians are going to be completely the, the bottom of the barrel yeah, so when it comes to the right XFL. Now, yeah. yeah this is an opportunity at plus seven at home for a team that won 23 to three week one at home. So uh, they've been on the road the last two weeks. They come back home, maybe an opportunity to try to get things right. I'm going to take the plus seven with the guardians in this game.
0: So the plus seven is an interesting number in the XFL. Touchdowns are worth six in the NFL. We almost always assume the seven um, in the XFL. You can't. Uh, so a, a six a six oh, and there's your winner just like that <laughs> there it is that
1: took about 45 seconds for yeah. the blues to score again right. it's four three blues now in this blackhawks blues game and i'm celebrating a victory
0: um so the seven's an interesting number because of that it's tough to kind of figure out how that's going to work um the over under is interesting at 40 because that's a really low number um oddly enough not the lowest of the weekend right um, but it is a very low number. It, I went with the Guardians to get stuff right last week with a big, big plus. They totally blew that up in my face. Don't be scared, though. And, don't, don't don't let one week scare <laughs> you off. And then their uh, quarterback situation, I don't know who's going to play for them. I don't know who's not going to play for them. So I would go with the Wildcats giving up the seven.
1: Uh, we're on opposite sides. How are we doing games that we we're on opposite sides last week?
0: Um, you had two and well two and a half because you had the under in the one game, and I had the. Oh, the that's winner, true. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so I won two of those matchups. You did hit the winner in the first game of the weekend, right? Um, I took the over in that game, and I guess that was a mistake. But, um, regardless, I I, I did get my Battlehawks minus ten home. Yep. And I got the.
0: The defenders. Um, oh yeah, the Wildcats.
1: Yeah. yeah, the Wildcats plus whatever that yeah, number was. Yeah, the two was. big spreads. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the with well, the team that's trending upward and the quarterback who I can um, assume is not gonna throw up on themselves.
1: I'm excited about this matchup now.
0: <laughs> uh, the next one, Seattle Dragons at the St. Louis Battlehawks. This is the five o'clock Saturday game on Fox. We have the Battlehawks minus twelve and a half. And a 38 and a half over under. Yeah,
1: and I think finally the offenses are catching up with the defenses in the XFL. Yeah. Um, I don't like this number at all as a Battle Hawks fan. I'm not going to lay 12 and a half uh, against the Dragons who seem to kind of keep it close to the best. I haven't seen them really run out of the building by a team yet. Um, they lost at home by 12 last week, but they were leading that game at halftime. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to take the over 38 and a half in this spot. I think that... Um, St. Louis can score a bunch. I think that Seattle can do enough on offense. Um, even though St. Louis was able to grind out the clock late in that Guardians game, I think this one is going to go over 38-and-a-half.
0: Yeah, so I think the the over-under, I think, is really low. And But then you look at the two teams, St. Louis likes to run the ball. Seattle likes to run the ball. You can kind of see where they're going with this under, trending it towards a – a shorter game. Well, and, and,
1: and let's be fair, uh, St. Louis did score a special teams touchdown in that game too. So, sure. I mean, realistically, you're looking at like a 23 to 9 type of to- – and the 9 comes on a late touchdown in garbage time. So, yeah. you know, you're looking at like 26 total points in there. So, I see why this line is as low as right. it is.
0: Um, I can't give up 12 and a half to a team that just is happy if they get a lead to, to run the ball. Yeah. And not really try to push it you know if you have some of these other teams I think yeah you know someone like Houston they're gonna try to keep scoring um but I feel like St. Louis if they get up nine points they're gonna take their foot off the gas and not try to be yeah. creative and just kind of pound it out which they're very equipped to do as we saw last week so I'm gonna take the half points that's a big that's a big spread I mean that's Again, in this league where you can't assume extra points, that's two touchdowns. Yeah. So
1: so there's an interesting concept when it comes to wagering on these games. And uh, in the NFL, guys will set an average team at zero. Right. right? So an average team, the, the 16th best team in the league, is going to be set at zero. Right. So the Battle Hawks are number two in my power rankings. And I have them probably based on the teams that are around average right now in the league, which we um, we both ended up having D.C. at four and and the Wildcats at five. So I would have St. Louis probably about seven or eight points better than an average team. Then you tack on home field advantage on top of that. So Seattle is probably two points worse than an average team based on where they stand. Seattle is probably seven or eight points better. So that's ten points, right? Now you tack on home field advantage, and I think St. Louis has the best home field advantage in all of the XFL. So I would give them four points for home field, which puts that line around 14 for me. So it's it's just a concept that I wanted to throw out to you guys that Vegas guys use for all of the major sports, college football, NFL. They set power rankings, and that's about where my power ranking would fall at 14 points for this game.
0: Yeah, I I just – Twelve and a half is a lot for a team that's not going to normally put up a ton of points. You you know you don't see St. Louis getting to thirty. I mean, they had a special teams touchdown last week. Sure, yeah. Are they going to get that every week? Not likely. You don't bet on those. But did
1: they take their foot off the gas? Also, yes. So there's a lot of factors to try to right. figure out there. I think the number's not as bad as it initially looks. No, I think it's. But if I were going to lean one way or the other, I'd probably lean to get those points in case absolutely. in case a turnover happens. You I think, know,
0: I think you take the points and just hope that. They either stay close the whole game or if St. Louis does pull away that Seattle can, you know, make it up in garbage time and back door to get within 12 and a half. And again, 12 and a half, it's two touchdowns in, yeah. in this league. So, so it's a big spread. And
1: the Sunday slate. I just want to say before we dig into it, we have two games that are separated by next to nothing, and that's yes. the exciting part about it.
0: And and both of them mean a lot. Um, so we have in the West Division the number one team in the West and the number two team in the West, the Houston Roughnecks and Dallas Renegades. Four o'clock on Fox Sports One. The Dallas Renegades or the Houston Roughnecks are minus one, and the over/unders at fifty. So
1: it's a big over/under, in big this number, game, especially you know? for this
0: league so far. It's big.
1: Yeah. What do you see, Tom? What are you, what are you feeling about this game early on?
0: So my first inclination is the that I feel like these these teams can both score. Um, so you see why it's 50, but 50 is so high. I mean, if you get a, a 24-20 game, you're under by six points. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really high number. The Roughnecks have been able to put it in the 30s. The Renegades, not as much, but they still flirt in the 20s every game. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm leaning towards the under in this one. I think under 50 would be how I would go. It is a big number for this league. Um, I think it's a close. So I'm very excited to watch this game because I think the Roughnecks have been the best team in the league. But I think Dallas is is closing that gap the last two weeks. And it should be interesting. Dallas has won two games on the road um, in a row. Um, So it should be interesting to see how that works out.
1: Yeah, so you know, let's talk about this for a second. Um, Dallas on the season has given up 45 points. They have given up the fewest amount of points in the XFL, right? And they're in a game where they're in the highest total of the weekend. Uh, Houston has scored the most points in the XFL. What a great matchup to to get to see, right? The the two teams that have have basically been polar opposites when it comes to this. The only concern that I have is, is Landry Jones going to get it right without the turnovers? If he does, Dallas is going to score points. Yeah. And Houston seems like they're going to score points regardless. I think that you're going to expect a similar total out of the game against Dallas that you got against St. Louis, which is 28. That was their lowest scoring game for Houston. They're probably going to be in the high 20s no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Will Dallas get to 24 or 27? That's, yeah. that's where my question comes in. Yeah, and
0: I think Dallas is going to run the ball. I mean, they've, they've shown that they're able to run the ball, and they like that balance. I think they're going to try to run the ball against them, keep the ball away from Phillips, um, and those guys on that side of the of the ball. I I just, I just think the under, it's it's such a big number in this league that I would take take that and just kind of roll. The, that's what to be, to be expected, that – Houston's Houston, if they win, they're probably going to get to 27, maybe even to 30. But if they win, does Dallas get to 25 to, to, to put their half in? And then if Dallas wins, I think that, that means the game's slower scoring, like 23-20. Right. So I think either way that goes, my best shot's the under.
1: Right. So, you know, for me, these teams match up so close when it comes to every statistical area, but on opposite sides. You've got Dallas, the number one scoring defense. Houston, the number one scoring offense. Uh, Houston, the number one scoring offense. Dallas, the number five scoring uh, offense. Right? right? So, so Houston, the number one, number five. And one versus five. So, now, to me, with Dallas getting a point at home, I'm going to take a shot that the Renegades can beat Houston here. Uh, knock them off. Get them to three and one. Now, you got two teams at three and one in that West division. And um, that's kind of what I'm seeing here. I think the Renegades have enough to, particularly being at home and catching a point, I'm going to take the Renegades in this spot.
0: All right. And so in the last game of the of the weekend, the D.C. Defenders and the Tampa Bay Vipers, this is the 7 o'clock ESPN2 game, uh, a little bit of primetime football for you on Sunday night. Uh, D.C. Defenders are minus one and the over-under 45. Um, I think we mentioned this a little earlier. This is where the overreaction from D.C. looking so bad knocks that number down. If this game was last week, D.C. is probably minus seven and a half, six,
1: seven, yeah. eight, somewhere in that ballpark. So, yeah.
0: I mean, you have a huge overreaction from that game. Is it a warranted overreaction is what you kind of have to sort out again. I think Tampa Bay has looked better the last couple of weeks. They're moving the ball scoring, but they're still they're they're minus, minus five in touchdowns, minus, dead last in the, NFL, in the minus XFL. Minus five. They're 0-3. Uh, they're only team that has not got a win. They just seem to – they can't get out of their own way. Last week they actually scored some points and moved the ball, still can't win.
1: They're tied for the fewest touchdowns scored, tied for the most touchdowns allowed. Um, to me, I, I can't see how I'm going to take them plus one despite the fact that they're at home in prime time. D.C. is getting a huge overreaction for a game where they gave up five turnovers. Um, they're going to get it right. They're going to fix some of those mistakes this week. They're not in that same horrible spot that they were in last week. Um, You know, they've gone on the road. They've been humbled. They're going to tighten things up uh, this week in practice, and I think D.C. wins this game. I think they win it going away. Um, I'm going to take the defenders.
0: Yeah, I think we're on the same side here for this one. I think the the defenders just makes too much sense with the, the line shifting so much from what you would have expected last week. what it is this week um again some of it's tampa bay looking good moving the ball but again they still can't seem to win um win those games
1: yeah and and just you know when i look at the quarterback play when i look at the defense particularly i i really like dc's defense they had a terrible game the the score does not dictate how well they played defensively last week so for me, th- this is the play of the week on D.C. at minus one now. I think it's going to go up from here. So get your bets in early this week on D.C.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that you'll probably see a lot of action on, on D.C. at that value. Um, it's a really nice take for them. So uh, hop on it quick because it'll, it'll move.
1: And uh, that's going to wrap. Episode 10 of the Hammered Sports Podcast Again, HammeredSportsPod.com, releasing Sunday, March 1st. uh, At Hammered underscore sports. At Tabby11 on Twitter. At Junior 99 on Twitter. Hammered Sports Podcast, right? Hammer Hammer Sports. yeah. Hammered Sports. Well, let's see. Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. Yeah. Hammered Sports Podcast on Instagram.
0: And then next week we're going to have... The AL and NL Central preview. Yeah. We'll get to talk a little bit about Kev's Cubs. Uh, we'll have the XFL week four and week five review. And then we're actually going to look at the UFC 248, another big UFC pay-per-view coming up. Yeah. Um, so we shall have some of that to talk about. and
1: uh, Maybe a little combine results, talk yeah, about some of the stuff that happened. Yeah,
0: we'll definitely some highlights, some things that stood out to us, um, maybe some numbers that were standing out to us with certain players. So,
1: And um, I think we may have a surprise interview this week if everything works out right we're going to try and have a surprise interview um to bring to you guys and we'll promote that more through our social media this week if it's going to happen for sure once we get confirmation
0: Uh, that will definitely be on social media so you'll be prepared and uh have an idea what's going down
1: yeah absolutely hey once again thanks for listening to hammer sports podcast keep catching winners